going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the Johnny Salami Podcast. Uh, today's guest is a special one, uh, Mr. Ryder. Uh, for those of you who don't know Mr. Ryder, uh, Mr. Ryder was my high school English teacher. Also happens to be a great guy. Mr. Ryder, thanks for being here. Hey, my pleasure to be here. Yeah, Glad quite, you quite asked. The, yeah, quite the conversation before we started. Um, I do have questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just weird thinking, like I was thinking this morning when I was working out, I was just like, I haven't seen you since 2010. Yeah. So it's been longer than I thought. Yeah. But it's kind of like remarkable to think that like I was sitting, you know, in your class and like now you're on my podcast. You know what I mean? It is. It's kind of mind blowing. It is. No, I'll, uh, when you asked me to be on, like I was all for it right away. Um, I know the first time we couldn't do it. Um, but I was like, I definitely would love to do it someday because I like to see, like I see you guys as like, 14 and 15 year olds yeah and to see where you guys end up and what you do i just love it yeah i just love it and if this is your passion i'd love to be part of it even if, if it's for an hour yeah yeah i mean i think i've pro- I probably said like four maybe five words total when you were my teacher but yeah i feel like we had like a like a mutual respect you know? yeah i remember exactly where you sat yeah all right you're actually in my period three class that year i don't remember the year but i remember all these other details and at that time the room was kind of set up in like a half circle i don't know if you remember yeah and you were the one closest to the door Mm -hmm. and where i would keep all my teaching materials yeah and i always remember you coming in and you just sat down you did not say a word (laughs) at all but your eyes were focused all right um you're incredibly mature, but now I think we said like five things all year. And I knew yeah. you were into sports too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you were a quiet one, but incredibly respectful. I enjoyed having you in class. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I'm going to be honest. I remember the first day I came in and uh, we were like setting up seats and you were like, I want, you know, John, you're going to be sitting right here, like right next to you. And like first day you can kind of like, me personally, like I'll look on the walls, see what's on the walls, yep. you know, get a sense of like who I have as a teacher. And there was a red flag. I remember looking over and I saw an, uh, an Indianapolis Colts poster and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this guy. You know, know what I mean? I know that that's yeah. that's something that some kids just have to get over. Yeah. They have to move past that. I will always be faithful to the blue, <laughs> to the horseshoe. Yeah. Why is that for you? Um, So just growing up, you know how like growing up kids they're like just they're bandwagon fans like one season they like this team and i remember like i like the dolphins then i like Mm -hmm. i was obsessed with the chiefs i had a chiefs blanket like i look back at all the stuff i threw out of my childhood it was all these different teams all right um but i one player i always loved was marshall falk um and second back by the way i don't know if you know the second back to ever have a thousand yards receiving and catching yep. in the same uh, season, but I loved watching him at San Diego State. The mm-hmm. Colts drafted him, yep. and I just stayed with the Colts from the time he was drafted in '95. <clears throat> so it was like a player thing. Like he wasn't born in like no, Indianapolis or anything. No, like that. no, my dad worked. His company was in Indiana, so he liked to tell yeah. people that oh, it's because my company's out there. <laughs> um, so I just let him go with that. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a player thing, and. A few years later, Peyton Manning was drafted. Mm-hmm. He had those miserable three and thirteen seasons. The one before he came, and then his first. Did they year. win a game his first year? They won three. 
Wow. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was like one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be one too generous right yeah. there. So you watched Marshall Falk at San Diego State. Yeah. Did you watch Peyton Manning at Tennessee at all? No. I was never a big – I just like Marshall Falk is in a style of play, like yeah. just being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Peyton Manning was drafted and mm-hmm. just went from there. So it really yeah. wasn't like – a team thing. It was just more of a player thing, and I've stayed yeah. since. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I was I was born in Baltimore. Okay, isn't the best place to be born. Uh, and I don't remember anything. My cousin lives down there now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, I was born in Baltimore, and I was always just told that I don't remember anything. I was too young. Yep. And uh, then we ended up moving to Pennsylvania, and I had family in Pennsylvania who were Steelers fans. So you're going from Ravens to Steelers, Steelers to Patriots. It's then we moved here. And I was always, like, a diehard Patriots fan. But I was, like, in love with Ray Lewis, like, watching Ray Lewis yep. play, especially back then. But I was never scared of Ray Lewis, like, as a Patriots fan. Yeah. I was scared of Peyton Manning. You, Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne were, like, the scariest duo, duo. as a Patriots fan, especially, like, 07. Yeah. I just remember watching those games and being like, we're screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it was, but. Well, that coming to Gillette, having the Patriots come to Gillette in the winter time. That was frustrating to me. Yeah. Like, because I knew, I'll admit, because my buddies, like, they would, they're all Patriots fans. So, yeah. all right, we would always bust back and forth. But that was the frustrating hump because we could never, the, the Colts could never win mm-hmm. in New England. Yeah. Um, in the wintertime. And even when they won the Super Bowl, because they had it at home, the Colts yeah. that, that year they won in 07, Colts were the two seed and the pats were the three seed mm-hmm. so that afc championship pats had to go to indianapolis yeah. when tom brady threw that interception mm-hmm. marlon jackson got it in like the final 30 seconds and it was just like thank god they finally got past the patriots who did what so i don't know too much about the call when did they win the super Bowl? was it like oh seven that they won the super bowl yeah oh seven so those six season yeah yeah who, they play like the bears or something yeah it was the rain i don't know if you remember the rain game in miami Devin oh, yeah. hester Returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. I was yeah. screaming at the TV. All right. I was screaming at the TV. Imagine punting to that guy. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. When did, uh, yeah, so I remember just being scared of Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne. But, like, do you know what uh, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning all time, like, them head to head, what's their record? Head to head? Yeah. I feel like Tom Brady probably has more wins, right? Tom Brady definitely would have yeah. more wins. If I had to guess, probably like, probably has like a six six fifty record <laughs> against it never, Peyton Manning. Honestly, like I'm not even like being smart. Like it never right. it never felt like that. Like it always felt like Peyton Manning was honestly I, better. Well, you always had that feeling like if there was anybody who could yeah. beat Brady and the Patriots, it was going to be him. Yeah, like that was the one. He was the one guy, and he just couldn't do it on the road um like i think it was oh i think it was oh four in the playoffs i was in college at the time and the flight back because we went on vacation during myself and a few buddies went on vacation during uh winter break and we came back Mm -hmm. and then the colts were playing at new england that that sunday yeah and and this was before bluetooth and wi-fi and all that so like a whole flight home i'm like what the heck what's the score what's going on and we land in i don't know boston or providence and somebody finally finds out and it goes down the rows and yeah. it was the game 
I think it was the divisional round. Colts lost twenty to three, and I just like start hitting the airplane. <laughs> like I, I just it was so frustrating yeah. always losing to New England um, in the winter time. Yeah. So, but just yeah. out of curiosity, if you were born, you said you were born in Baltimore. Yeah. So were you like, is it like Colts hatred down there? I don't know. I've, no? I've never been. I don't know if I would want to be like ever, uh, ever there to yeah. be honest. Like from what I've seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to bash my hometown, Yeah. but I mean, you've got like, you know, obviously the drug problem down yeah. there, everything that's going on. I don't know what the nice parts would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like, my dad was a hardcore Dan Marino fan. Okay. When he was growing up, he was in love with the, like he had the Wheaties box and everything. <laughs> we had like mashing sweaters and like uh, awesome. So he was a Dolphins fan, and then I remember going. I mean, I was born in Baltimore, yep. so I felt like a due diligence, like growing up to like have that. Like if I wasn't a Patriots fan, I'd probably be a, a Baltimore Ravens fan. Yep. Um, not a big fan of the Steelers, honestly. Good. Uh, Never been a Steelers fan, but like yeah. all my family in Pennsylvania, that they're like diehard Steelers fans, and they hate the Patriots. So I'm just like, yeah. whatever. Like we beat you every year. Like it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just felt like growing up, like I always felt like I should have been a Ravens fan, but I don't know. I, I was always just a Patriots fan. Yeah. And I mean, it's because like I remember being here. Yeah, you, you know? remember being here, and that's um, that's that's their heyday. I mean, it lasted yeah. so long. And everyone loves Tom Brady, and like I can't argue. You know what I mean? Like it's it's. Even when he went to Tampa Bay, it was kind of like I'm, I've probably I've probably watched more Tampa Bay games, games. than I did Patriots. Yeah. And I'm just being honest; it's just fun to watch him play. Yeah. And I'll admit, like as a Colts fan, like I don't hate Tom Brady. Yeah, I think I'll say like he probably is he's the most accomplished yeah. football player in the history of the mm-hmm. game. Um, and to do what he's doing at this age, like, and you yeah. see pictures of him, dude looks better at 43 yeah. than he does at 23. Um, so how he takes care of himself, it's yeah, impressive. It's hard not to watch the game. Like, even if I wasn't a Patriots fan, I'd probably still watch the games too because of all the comebacks. Yeah. Even if, even if like, even if I followed him at Michigan, like all those comeback games, like how can you not enjoy watching them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder what the Michigan coach or recruiters feel like not seeing that talent that was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ugh. the draft is kind of like a joke anyway. The NFL draft? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the the, the, an, the analytics. Yeah. Oh, you know I mean? yeah. It's like, how are you going to measure someone? Like, I guess you can get, like, a, a solid base off yeah. of it. But the projections are wrong every year. Yeah, they are. I feel that way about the NBA draft, too. It's, like, all potential. Yeah. It's, like, the younger you are, it's not so much what you've accomplished, mm-hmm. but if you have the right measurements yeah. right, and the right individual vertical jumps and all that, yeah. then we'll give you more money. Yeah, so much potential. Yeah, I never, I never followed the draft or like the analytics because every year I was like, they were just like, they would just hype up someone and then they just yeah. like once they got to the NFL, they just, just like fall. they just fall off. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, like what more, like what more do you need to just yeah. not watch the draft? Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's it's like it's always exciting to see people come up, you know. Yeah. But yeah, when I walked in your class, it was just like I wonder what the story is behind this. I just didn't want to raise my hand and be like, "What is this?" Yeah, that would have been the first time. <laughs> You'd have been like, "What?" Um, yeah, no, I always, uh, I always keep a few up there, but uh, yeah, I keep the one score from the thirty-eight, thirty-four game, the AFC Championship, when they yeah. finally got over the hump. Um, and there's a couple of Peyton Manning up. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, they, it's pretty uh, cool though. 
Yeah, I got a new classroom now. It's a lot smaller, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's gonna make the cut. Yeah, a lot, losing a lot of wall space. <laughs> yeah. Losing a lot of wall space. Yeah, but like, uh, so you were in, you were in college in '04. Yeah, I graduated college in '05. So you were like, so you're five years in. Oh, not even. When did you start your first teaching gig? Uh, my first. I was lucky. I graduated Rick in '05, mm-hmm. and I had to take summer classes just to finish up the degree. Yeah. Um, and so I finished up that July. And then I started applying for teacher jobs, mm-hmm. uh, English positions, like at the end of July, beginning of August. And I was lucky enough to get the job at Cumberland. Yeah. Straight out of college at well, 22. Well, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Like, hands down, like the most notable teacher that I can think of. Like, I don't think, I don't know if you pay attention to any of that. You know what I mean? But like when I was when I was a freshman, even when I was a senior, like we were all like, dude, you remember Mr. Ryder, man? Like I think I was the man. And like, I appreciate that. Yeah. So like, I mean, do you take pride in that? Or are you just kind of like, I do. Um, cause it's weird. The, like you can get evaluated and they get this score and that score, but and I know it's kind of cliche, but like it truly is like, the relationships and and what lasts yeah. that that leaves an impact so like the other day on facebook there was one girl and th- they've been friends apparently they met in my class over a group project yeah and it was on the post like been x amount of years since we met in mr Ryder's class and one of them just started complimenting the other and like i i wrote on it like hey glad you this provided more than just learning about shakespeare yeah um so I do take pride in that because you, it's not so it's not like you want it's not a popularity contest like teachers really they liked whatever yeah. all right but you want to just have a positive impact yeah. on someone because one of the pieces I of advice especially to a new teacher I know a lot of new teachers are like I want to be liked I want to be liked and it's not about being their friend but being friendly and if you can yeah. be friendly, mm-hmm. that can build that rapport yeah. that hopefully, all right, it's not just a teacher that, all right, I'm done their class, but hey, I took something out of that class, whether it was academic, social, whatever it may be. Yeah. It was it was always like I was too young to pick it out. Like, I mean, you probably had kids with ADHD in your class who were going to the doctor and they were like, listen, like, I don't need this Adderall anymore. Like, <laughs> I have Mr. Ryder. You know what I mean? Like... It was because I knew the people in my class, yeah, and I had seen them in other classes, and in your class they were just like locked in. In other classes, you know, who knows what they're doing? Yeah, they're in detention. Like, so I was just like, what is it about this guy? But I mean, you made Shakespeare interesting. <laughs> you made everything interesting, and uh, yeah, honestly, like even as seniors, because like in high school you don't have many teachers where you're like that's a great class you're yep. kind of like dreadful especially when you're in athletics you're yep. just like i had practice last night i just want to get this yeah over you're with. tired you're, yep. um but just the way like even like considering like the average attention span was like eight seconds yeah like you had everyone, <laughs> that's generous yeah you had everyone locked in and everyone like i've never heard anyone say anything bad about you i appreciate um, that but I've, i always wondered like if you took pride in that um or if it was kind of like a therapist type thing, like where, <laughs> where you're like, you're like, I don't want to be friends, but I'm going to help you out. You know what I mean? No, it's not. Uh, it's just like the two things, like I being a teacher, like excluding like all the, 
the content, the academic stuff. Like the two things I strive to be, I'm going to be authentic. All right. Cause I know it's not a lot of people say, Oh, you, you, you're a teacher. Like part of your job is almost like an entertainer. Like yeah. if I've had an awful morning at home, all right. If my daughter had a meltdown mm-hmm. and it was frustrating, like, yeah. yeah, I've got to leave that at the door for my mm-hmm. first period class at seven fifteen. Um, but I'm not going to hide what happened. Like, Hey guys, it was a frustrating morning for me. Um, like this is what happened. So, and so being authentic with a, what goes on with me and also how I act towards them. Yeah. Because I'll tell you one thing, teenagers, they'll pick up a fraud like that. Mm -hmm. They'll pick up a fraud any moment. So I just wanted to be authentic. Um, and then just know that I'm here to help. Um, because it can be, it's not easy being a high school kid. Yeah. I've always said, like, I loved high school, but I wouldn't want to go back to it because mm-hmm. I was there, of course, pre-social media. Oh, yeah, I yeah. would not want to do it today. Yeah. No, high school was tough. Yeah. The, the thing I respected about you most was, like, because I was super quiet. Yeah. So I would always get, like, roasted by teachers. You know what I'm saying? Um, For being quiet? Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was painful. Never do that. Yeah, so but, I would uh, like I would go to different classes and like any time I raised my hand, like the teacher would be like, "John's about to say his first words." Everyone like, you know what I mean? Like they would always all crack. eyes on you. Yeah, so that was that was my biggest struggle like throughout high school, even college. But I never really understood like what was wrong with being quiet. Like, isn't that kind of like what you want? You know it, what I mean? Well, it's weird that you say that because in high school, I was incredibly quiet. Yeah, like around my buddies, like yeah, I was vocal, but in class, like. Honestly, I was very similar to you. Yeah. I, I was quiet, mm-hmm. sat, paid attention, did what I had to do, and that was it. Um, but it's weird like, what you said, and this is something I do take pride in, what you said about how uh, like students will observe how other people or other students act in my class versus others. Yep. And like last year, I got a note at the end of the year from a girl. Um, and like those notes, those like I keep them. All right. Yeah. Um, that's honestly the best thing about being a teacher is when you get those notes because sometimes you don't even know what you did. And she was saying just how, Oh, you created a classroom environment that made people so comfortable. She's like, there were so many people who acted on like who felt comfortable in here that don't in other classes. And thank you for doing that. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I just try to be authentic and just know I'm here to help. And, if you help yourself, I'll help you. I can't help you if you can't help yourself first. Yeah. So, but yeah, but yeah. No, I love being a teacher. Yeah, it's it's like weird to think about like now that I'm at my age because like a lot of people are like I wouldn't want to be a teacher because of like the parents or whatever. But at the same time, like you have a long lasting effect on kids. Yeah. You know what I mean, like you're here now. It's been what eleven years. Yeah, I was surprised by how long it's been. Yeah. Um, well, I did see you at my comedy show, and that wasn't that long ago. So yeah, it feels like so long ago yeah. because of COVID. But yeah, I remember since you graduated, I remember catching you at one of uh, it was a baseball game at Lincoln High. Do you remember that? Lincoln High. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was like a super brief conversation though. Yeah, I too. think. Um, Cause Joe, I was talking to Joe Fine first. Yeah, I think we went together. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I was just talking to Joe because mm-hmm. he was telling me about he was at Bryant at the time, yeah, yeah. and I think you met him up there. So we talked mm-hmm. briefly, and then the the whole comedy show. My wife and I, we were just looking like a date to go out on. Yeah. And I'm like, let's go 
to a comedy show and you probably know him um it's one of my co-workers buddies brian something brian. yeah brian bowden yes yeah. all right so he was yeah he was there and then i looked at the rest of the lineup and i saw john psyche and i was oh, like really? we're going we're going <laughs> really? end of story yeah. find the babysitter get the grandparents we're going yeah yeah, yeah he was uh he was headline it was my birthday i remember that it was like that my day birthday. was your birthday yeah it was uh it was april 20th yeah and i uh i knew i was booked on the show but they were like yeah brian's headlining like you want to do like an opening spot and i was like yeah of course yeah. Like, i'll say to, i'll say yes to pretty much almost anything yep and that day i was super sick i couldn't even speak so i was like chugging dayquil before i went <laughs> and i remember walking in and seeing you and i was like i don't know if i should say anything you know what i mean yeah but people are always like they're always like because this happens like sometimes like i'll go to the connection and i'll see someone that i knew like that i know like from a professional standpoint and they'll yeah. be like they'll be like dude but like when you see people like that are you just like like do you just not tell them like do you just change your set i'm like no no i just go up there you yeah. know what i mean like like i've done show i've literally done shows at like laundromats and i've seen people <laughs> i know doing their laundry and they're just like yeah i'll just wear dirty clothes for like two weeks like, <laughs> like i'm out of here you know what i mean yeah so like it, it wasn't a big deal for me but it was definitely like cool to see you know yeah. what I mean? no we enjoyed we enjoyed the show it yeah. was and like i said to see when you guys grow up and see you out of that classroom or that athletic element yeah that's what's awesome because like i know you have a passion for comedy like yeah. you're following what you want to do and i mean i couldn't tell you were sick that night all right yeah. so you, you did an awesome job um and even like now one of my daughters, she just started dance. Mm -hmm. One of her dance teachers is one of my former students. Yeah. So just to see like the evolution of you guys. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah. I almost felt bad. I was like, I've said maybe five words to this guy and now he's going to see me on stage. Like, <laughs> might, you know, affect him mentally a little bit. But, yeah. No, uh, you said, uh, you said a lot more than you ever said in the entire <laughs> year in my class. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that though. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, honestly, like, I'm sure, like, a lot of people... I mean, when you start comedy, obviously, they're like, good luck with that, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's cool that, like, you're, you know, you're happy people are actually pursuing things that they want to do instead of yeah. just being like, you should you should do this instead. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know the whole... Well, well everyone's got to go to college, but... Yeah. For, and I know you, obviously, have a successful degree, but... Yeah. Don't you have an interest in something pursue it yeah all right pursue it um that's been kind of my motto yeah so that's dope yeah it's dope that you think that way so that's like the uh, that's like the opposing thought process of most teachers you know what i mean like not not to bash teachers but oh i know like you're uh like you're a rare breed you yeah. know so well i don't know about that but yeah. uh well being honest you know what I, mean? I appreciate it um but, but like as far as like when you so when you went to college um why english like to be honest i just knew i wanted to be a teacher mm -hmm. i had english so i kind of decided i wanted to be a teacher um the year i was graduating high school i liked high school and i was yeah. kind of like let me just stay there <laughs> um <laughs> so i was like maybe i'll be a teacher like i like working with teenagers like it's a fun group i like high school like yeah. i could stay here Mm -hmm. um but i didn't really know what i wanted to teach i just knew it wanted to be high school like i could not teach elementary or middle school yeah. I, I couldn't do that so i always knew high school 
And at first, I wanted to teach history. And then I realized all I wanted to teach was American history because I kind of like it. But mm-hmm. you can't really pick what class you're going to teach. Yeah. So that. And then I was like, let me try math. So then I took calculus. Wow. And like I did all right in it. And then I was like, because I never really had like a passion for a science or a math or English. Like yeah. I never had. I know like some people are like, oh, I'm a math person. I'm a science person. I'm an English person. Like in high school, I never really had an, a draw to one of them. Yeah. And then, of course, in college, they make you write, write a lot more. And uh, I remember taking my Western lit class. It was second, yeah, I think second semester freshman year. And I was like, you know, it's kind of cool to like pull these books apart. Um, I know you guys probably don't find it so cool, but that's the challenge. I, I try to make it fun for you guys um, to, to pull these books apart and, and teaching people how to write. Um, and the day I needed to go have some paper signed to declare like English major. Mm-hmm. So it was funny. It was the day I ended up getting um, my midterm back in one of my English classes. And the professor wrote at the bottom of it, um, like, great insight or whatever. Have you ever considered being an English major? It was the day I actually was going to ask her for a signature because I needed a professor's signature on that declaration. Yeah. Um, And I just declared it, and I took the classes. And I could tell, like, there were people in there that were, like, like diehard English, like, Mm -hmm. fans. Yeah. And I was never, like, I, I love English. I love what I teach. But I went into teaching more for the teaching part than being in love with the content. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously a stigmatism behind going to college for English. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with a liberal arts uh, degree? What are you going to do with, uh, you know, a specific degrees? But it's crazy when, you, like, even now where I am, like, writing is so important. Like, yeah. writing, I mean, you have to be good at writing in almost, like, the majority of jobs. So... Where do you think that comes from? The like the stigmatism in general towards that for the liberal arts. Yeah, I think unfortunately, I think it's always been around. Yeah, um, and that stigma of like, oh, the the English geek like sitting there drinking their 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 cold brew nitro <laughs> at like the local coffee shop. Yeah, like not going to a mainstream coffee shop, but it's got to be an independent one downtown. Yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And it's always been there, but with the rise of like, you talk, I don't know, I think we talked about it earlier, like this is this pressure for a lot of kids, like go towards engineering, go towards mathematics, technology, the whole STEM yeah. uh, industry. And I feel like liberal arts have gotten a back seat to that. And with that comes writing. And it doesn't matter what profession you're in, yeah. you do have to be a coherent, clear writer. And I don't think a lot of kids realize that even in a business setting. Mm-hmm. So like this is actually a new assignment. It's going to be our first assignment this year. I'll tell you about it now. Mm-hmm. We've noticed, and when I say we, I'm talking about like the other fr- myself and the other freshman English teachers. Yeah. We've noticed a decline in email etiquette. Like, like I've had kids in the past few years, like, right. Like, yo, why did I fail this? Like that's <laughs> like, not like, Hey, Mr. Ryder or hi, Mr. Ryder. I noticed I didn't do so well on 
the the essay could yeah. we conference about it like i've literally gotten emails that start with yo or like um just like rider why'd i do so bad um, so our first assignment this year is literally, it's still writing, but email etiquette. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's wild. I never would have thought of that to be honest. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't happen yeah. when it didn't happen when you were around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sending probably like 50 emails a day too. Yeah. Which is like super important. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, at least it'll, it'll relate to the, uh, the real world. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the other thing, obviously, like when you're high school, they're just like, yeah, like none of this pertains to the real world. No. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that? As far, I mean, obviously, without a doubt, English relates to the real world. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. But there are some classes where you're like, probably not going to use this. Um, I've always had but, a lot of kids ask me about math class, like during advisory. <clears throat> yeah. Like when you were there, was there advisory or was it still homeroom? It changed, so... Yeah, when I started, it was um, it was advisory, and then it uh, it changed as uh, I became like uh, the new principal came on. Okay, I think, I think it uh, changed like some sort of reading. Uh, oh, were you there? The um, stop everything and read. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. and the whole like no matter where you were, you had to yeah stop and read something. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Just keep keep it at that. Yeah, we'll just keep, <laughs> we'll just keep it at that. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, a lot of kids ask me like, Mr. Ryder, this algebra one or whatever, when am I going to use this in life? And I mean, I can't speak to that, but I mean. Yeah, there's actually a comedian who has a joke about that. About algebra? Yeah, like uh, like right angles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he was just talking about like how he's never going to use like what he learned in algebra class in the real world. Yeah. Like if a carpenter's at his house, he's not going to be like, dude, is that a right angle? Like, so he has, like, <laughs> he'll have jokes about that. Yeah. But. Yeah, math. Uh, I was never a big math guy. What I always wondered, like, this is more towards, like, um, when I was in college, I probably took, like, I remember taking this one history class. And my teacher, she would always, like, she would have opposing views from, like, what I was taught in high school. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I don't understand this. And then I thought deeper, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, I have, like, a buddy who's a history buff, and I always ask him this. I'm like, how do I know what's like written in this book is is correct how do i know who wrote this like when was it established because like we all have a different perspective right yes so like you you'll see something i'll see something we'll both have two different views on it of what we saw and then there's like what actually happened Mm. isn't that what history is really yeah and you're right i mean and i think that's something that a lot of kids don't learn till late high school and in college everything you read is funneled through a lens yeah all right so you have your own lens based on your old past experiences, mm-hmm. your own biases, your own beliefs, all right? But then you got to look at the same thing for the author, all right? Because like you said, well, they wrote it. How, because it's in a book is and was published, so does that make it accurate? Um, so I think that, that's actually a good thing, all right, yeah. to have that, that critical lens and that viewpoint mm-hmm. um, because so many kids will just be like, oh, it's written there, must be right. And when, especially today with, I mean, the misinformation that's out there, you, it's, you don't want to take everything literally at just how it's written when it's published. So you think that's like when critical thinking comes into play? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think there's an opportunity to use social media as a way to teach critical thinking. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately you bring anything from social media 
And because I've tried to do it a few times and everyone get, gets caught up in who it's coming from. Yeah. All right. And not really um, seeing, well, why did that person say that? Just, oh, I like this person. I don't like that person. That makes it right. Yeah. Um, so I do think part of the critical thinking, all right, comes from that different lens, which is good. Yeah. It's just like the whole like Christopher Columbus thing. You know what I mean? Like you're like you're taught like he's a hero and then later on you're like wow he was actually a murderer like why yeah no he committed genocide yeah Yeah, like he that guy was ruthless yeah i mean if uh, because i remember i used to have a censorship unit that i would teach um i don't know if we read it in your class but harun in the sea of stories that sound familiar you probably just forgot about fresh yeah just forget i didn't read it all right i remember some stuff i remember like shakespeare and like to kill a mockingbird and like all that okay um all right awesome um, but there's one book that I teach some years, um, Harun in the Sea of Stories, mm-hmm. and it's an allegory against censorship. Um, and one of the, like, to introduce censorship, we would talk about Columbus, all right, and how mm-hmm. he's, we grow up, especially in elementary school, there's a holiday for him. He's a hero. He discovered America. Well, no, he didn't do that, all right? Um, and now there's a whole group trying to, looking to, censor that and rightfully so um i mean i think some states have like renamed it indigenous people's day um yeah and other names like that but yeah columbus uh they they his actions his brutality was censored like quite an a time. example too like yeah i think probably the most notable example um there's like so many conspiracy theorists behind hitler yes and i mean Obviously, like that's what everyone remembers from history class. Yeah. Do you you guys learn a lot about Hitler and that's like the other, that's the other thing, especially in college. Like you'll you'll learn something in high school about Hitler, right? Yeah. You know, caused a genocide. Yeah. All this other stuff. When you get into college, that's kind of like when all the conspiracy theorists like come out. Yeah. And you got to realize, like, I'm in a class. Like, I haven't said a word. I'm just listening to everyone. Yeah. I'm like, this is cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But. Um, there's always like the conspiracy theorists. Um, and then there's all like these different point of views. And then you have your teaser too, who's expressing her point of view. Yep. And you're just trying to piece things together. Well, when you said piece things together, personally, I think that's part of the beauty of education. Cause you come in with your own, mm-hmm. you're just introduced to a book or a topic yeah. and you're going to have your interpretation of it based mm-hmm. on your lens and your past experience. But then the teacher, you're going to pick up on the teachers no matter what. Yeah. Our teacher can remain, try to, and I try to do it, just remain as neutral as possible in a perspective. But eventually yeah. you can, if you listen close enough, you can pick up nuances through their mm-hmm. body language, tone of voice about where yeah. they stand. But then you get your other classmates too. And it's not like one is right and one is wrong. But you're, I think the most important job of a student is to kind of piece meal them together mm-hmm. to figure out what your viewpoint is how do you find that balance though when kids are writing for you and they just have like one solidified point of view and they're like this is the right way there's no other way that it's funny that you ask about that because that happens all the because kids always ask well what happens if i write if if my thesis is completely different from what you think mm-hmm. all right that's actually come up a lot more the past few years with um with argumentative writing and I'm just like, I don't care. Like, I, I, I'm trained. I, I can put my 
opinion aside. Yeah. It's as long as you and I just look at the evidence from the text and your interpretation of it. So like there was a couple years ago there's a there was a girl um I think the question I forget what the the prompt was, but you I it was the book Tending to Grace and t- just to make it quick, um the protagonist young girl Cornelia and she does not speak at all. All right come to find out it's because she has a stutter Mm -hmm. and then you find out on top of that her mom abandoned her Mm -hmm. um so she's dealing with a lot and it's about her kind of overcoming her stutter and recognizing she can grow from the loss of her mother yeah so it was um it was a prompt of like, do you, and I know this isn't the exact wording, so bear with me. All right. <laughs> but do you recognize, do you see Cornelia as a sympathetic or an unsympathetic victim? All right. So notice the word victim is already in there. The student just, she said, I don't see her as a victim at all. All right. Mm-hmm. That, so she created a whole different argument about how she would be seen and like she had no sympathy for this character whatsoever despite the the turbulence she went through in her own life and i said as long as you can support it with textual evidence and she did successfully on how she inferred and interpreted and it was logical um so it's and that's part of i'm actually glad i ended up teaching english because you can see those different perspectives yeah um so it's just about it's like how people say, put your ego, like leave your ego at the door. You just got to leave your opinion at the door. Yeah. 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 I feel like there's, a, there's a lot of it. I mean, I've never been political and I don't want to get into politics. No, neither do I. Yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from yeah, it. I know we both don't. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's always interesting when you have like all these different news outlets, all different sources of information and you have to piece things together. But then you also have people who are just like one sided, you know, like they're not very open minded. Yeah. It's cool to watch. I'm not gonna partake in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I've never, I've I've never once in my life followed politics, and I've been fine. Yep. Um, so I'm I, I'm John. I'm with you 100 yeah. percent on that. Like I, like I can have my own opinion. I'll keep yeah. it to myself. But like I have a buddy, and he is very vocal about certain political beliefs. Yeah. They don't always match up with mine. Mm-hmm. I don't let it impact our friendship. Yeah. And we've talked about it. Like we mm-hmm. disagree, but our friendship, we've been friends since elementary school. Yeah. Like we're not going to let our different beliefs impact our friendship. And yeah. I don't know. Like unfortunately, when I, I mean, unfortunately sometimes that probably does happen, but, yeah. um, I mean, I was always, I was always taught, you know, agree to disagree. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's all it really is. Yeah, right. That's, that's it. Cause yeah. I, and I love it. Like you go on social media and of course it's those people that have the extremes that post yeah and then the other people come back with a comment opposing it like do you really think you're going to change somebody else's position (laughs) with a facebook (laughs) facebook post or or a comment it's just and that's wild that's what everybody sees are the two extremes Mm -hmm. and then it's probably there's probably more people like you and i who just hey let's stay out of it it is what it is yeah and those are the voices that you don't see every day on a screen yeah i think it's like legitimate poison oh yeah like i because i went i went rogue for a while like i went off the grid off social media yeah i've never felt so good in my life i'm sure like like it was undeniably liberating liberating 
Like, Liberating. It was insane. I was like, I don't have to like see any of this. Yeah. Nobody knows that I'm off it. No yep. one cares. It's the best feeling yeah. ever. You know what I mean? There, there is. And I mean, I obviously I'm older than you, but yeah. I mean, when, by the time I graduated college, it was I think Facebook came out in like '07. So I I'd yeah. been teaching a couple years then, um, and that's my that's the only social media. And of course, mm-hmm. four, 15 year olds today, they're like facebook that's for old people all right and yeah that's that's fine Mm -hmm. um but even like i could not like i don't have a twitter i don't have instagram like i don't so i would imagine that to be so time consuming unless it's for professional purposes yeah like sometimes i'll do something that I typically wouldn't like. So when I got off social media, I would, I would start doing things that I typically wouldn't do. Yeah. Like, how long basic. were you off for? Four months, which felt like a year. Yeah. The first week I was like, I don't know if I can do this. It, no. Cause I've done it before just with like Facebook. That yeah, was yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I lasted like a month, but you're right. It's like mm-hmm. withdrawal. Like the first few weeks. Yeah. Are I, the hardest. I felt kind of like a coward cause I have this. So I didn't do this mm-hmm. the whole time. I just went off the grid. I don't think anyone noticed, but, you know, who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing. I was like, when I did it, I was like, I'm not telling anyone. You know, I'm not going to yeah. put up a Facebook post. It's like, hey, listen, I'm off this. Some people will. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's like, I'm just going to do it, see what happens, and go with it. So, yep. like, the first week, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. After that, I literally just forgot about it. Yeah. I was like, this, this doesn't even play that huge of a role in my life. It doesn't. But I think that's, like, where it gets poisonous because you think when you see something that you're a part of it, mm-hmm. that it actually affects you. And it doesn't. No. Like, that person doesn't even know who you are. Exactly. You know what I mean, that's the scariest thing is when people, like, they follow other people's lives and they're like, I think, it's almost like they think, like, they know. Yeah. You know? It's oh, like, well, like I said, a screen gives everybody courage. Yeah. Screen gives everybody courage, unfortunately. And I don't know. I would, I'll pass on that. Yeah. I think I think it, it takes a sense of pride. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think for me, I just wanted to prove that I'm not selfish. Yep. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I just want to prove to myself that I don't need this. Because yeah. social media, and I'm not saying, like, social media, I know we can already tell, like, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. All right? But it does have its purposes. Like, yeah, you can re- reach a wider audience. All right? Yeah. But for just using it on a daily basis to express your own personal opinions yeah how how far is that gonna go i i, I don't know i just think you can find a better use of yeah your time even if you like think when i when i you know when i went off the grid i would like i would do these like small tasks i love how you call it like off the grid like i feel like you're going like that was the woods goal. somewhere. That was the goal. All right. You know, I just wanted to get away. You ever but hear of the North Pond Hermit? No. No? Can I say it really quick? Yeah. All right. It's a true story, too. I read a book about it mm-hmm. a few years ago. So it was this guy. I forget his name, but the, he, it happened up in Maine. Um, and it was 25 years. He left his car on the side of a road in Maine, not far from where he lived. Yep. And he, it was North Pond. I forget the name of the town in Maine. And he chose to live in the woods, mm-hmm. Thoreau style, all right, for 25 years. And now, obviously, the weather in Maine gets cold, and but yeah. the woods were behind this pond, and in front of that pond was, like, this local campground. Mm-hmm. And 
um, every summer and early fall, he would break into vacation homes and he wouldn't like ransack it, but he would take like canned food, beans, all right, blankets, magazines for entertainment. Um, of course, all the locals and the vacationers, they, they created, when you fit the fear of the unknown, they started to call him the North Pond Hermit because nobody could ever figure out who was breaking in. Yeah. Um, and there was some fear in the community until he was finally caught in around like 2011 or 12. But for close to 25 years, he lived, I mean, that's extreme, in solitary isolation by choice. Yeah. Yeah. So when you I when I hear you say like off the grid, like I picture you like <laughs> going off into the woods like setting up camp. All right. Yeah. I I thought about that too. And that's I don't know. I I hate the like I like the word balance, but I also hate it. Like okay. um so I was like, Yeah, I'm off the grid now. It, like in my head of like, am I just gonna like not talk to anyone? <laughs> am I just gonna be like alone? <laughs> like and I was I was like, dude, don't do that. Like don't be dramatic. Yep. You know? Don't just be like, I want nothing to do with you people. It, it was just solely based on social media. You know, yeah. like I'm off that grid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But as far as like, I've still got buddies I'm hanging out with. It's just not publicized. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, so that was, that was like the balance I needed to find. It's like, yeah. you're not, I'm not, iso- like isolation is terrifying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't want to completely isolate myself from society. Like it's important to communicate with people. But people um, view getting off the technological oh, yeah, grid yeah, yeah, yeah. they view that as isolation mm-hmm. well no it's not yeah. it's not it's like um, i'm just getting off that grid that you're holding right yeah, now. yeah yeah it's almost like its own world you know yeah um would you do it again no because of comedy and that's the only reason yeah that's the only reason yeah because you have an audience you need to reach yeah it's uh like if i didn't have comedy i would definitely be off the grid i'd yep. just be like this isn't even the worth it but you have facebook and that's where you find like where all the open mics are and like where you can go okay and you know like bookers see that they'll be like oh john did a show here and you know it's tough that's the only reason i have facebook i won't use it for anything else yeah but then instagram it's cool to have a platform where like you can make other people laugh like i was making sketches for a while just like comedy sketches and i'm like there's really like no negative you know connotation to this i'm just like you know just like trying to make as many people laugh as possible yeah whether i like win or lose you know what i mean yeah and that's like that's all it is but um but you is like you use it just from more sensible it's a joke purposeful it's it's a joke in general i might as well put jokes out yeah you know what i mean yeah uh but yeah it's just like it's tough like because if you see something on instagram and it makes you upset it's like that's your fault you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like you read it Mm-hmm. it's nobody else's fault yep and like you want to help other people like people who are you know like i think motivation is garbage personally okay. like i think i think motivation is like a feeling right okay you know it's not something that's going to be around every day i think discipline is more important than motivation uh-huh. right um so when i go on instagram and i see someone who puts up like a motivational quote which happens all the time and then you see them in real life and they're not taking any action yeah like honestly that bothers me yep. but it's like it's my fault like I, I, you know, yeah. I associated myself with that person. I read what they put up. Yeah. And, like, the fact that that even, like, moderately bothers me, bothers me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. I'm wasting my time. But there was things like that. Like, the, the bigger, and that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, like, do you think, do you think discipline is more important than motivation? I 
that's tough because they're both so important. Yeah. Um, like even when you just said it right now, like I was thinking to myself, which one is more important? Because like motivation is a, a huge, uh, it's getting more and more popular because you have like, like well-known public speakers now. Yep. My favorite public speakers are the ones who say that motivation's garbage. Like it's all about discipline. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's just my point of view. You know oh I mean? yeah. I think discipline I think you need to have a combination of the two because that that discipline, I think that's going to separate you from other people, yeah. all right, just no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the motivation, and this is one thing I've been trying to figure out for teaching for 16 years, mm-hmm. how do you intrinsically motivate someone? Yeah. Like how do you make them want to do something mm-hmm. um because if they don't see the benefit in it like to say which one is more important yeah i mean i, I guess man, I that, 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 yeah. honestly that's a tough one i i would i think it's i know this doesn't answer your question completely i think discipline is harder to find the mm-hmm. motivation yeah. within someone because i think discipline is what separates people in any industry that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think, I personally, I think you can be motivated and still not do anything. Oh. But I think discipline is actually doing it, like, when you don't want to do it. Yeah. All right. Like, I mean, discipline is action. Yeah. Discipline is action. Like you said, all right, like on, you can put up as many quotes on social media as you want. Yeah. All right. And people can give it as many clickbaits and likes as they want, but... Are you going to act on that? Do you have the discipline to act on whatever that quote is? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think that's what separates people, whether it's as a friend, as a worker, uh, as a as a teammate, as a coach, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think discipline would be more important just because it's the factor that separates you. Yeah. So much harder to work on, though. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to do this right now, but yeah, I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. And you just got to like, I just. I think part of it is just like we all hate taking out the trash. It's got to go out once a week. It's got to go out every night. You just got to do it. Yeah. This is the toughest part about comedy. Toughest part? Yeah. I mean, right now, especially at my age, because, like, I'm super motivated. Yeah. But if I sit in my room and think about how motivated I am and, like, what I could be, yeah, I'm not doing much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, actually getting out there is super tough for me, but yeah. just trying to work on it, I guess. Yeah. You know? So how... I know you are saying earlier, obviously, COVID impacted the comedy. Um, so how long did you go without a show for? <sighs> Probably... So, I mean, what happened was back... I was 20 yeah so when I was 23 so like when you start comedy right everyone's yep. like you're a loser whatever no one yeah cares. yeah yeah all right yeah. so you have to deal with that yep. right and then you go to open mics and you shed a few tears while you're up there you figure out like hey am I gonna do this or not right yep. so for me that took like because I, I was always into sports you know yeah. so I was like I don't know like I, I really like sports I want to follow through with this and then when that fell through and I actually started doing comedy I was like I don't know like this is this is just who I am you know what I mean so you start doing open mics and then you start doing bringer shows. So you have to bring people, right? Yep. So it's like you have to bring five people or you can't do the show. And I remember <laughs> like there was one month where I had three bringer shows 
So the first one, people came out too. I tell my jokes. Yeah. I couldn't get anyone to come to the next two because they're like, <laughs> they're like, dude, we know your jokes. Like, <laughs> we're not going to pay money to see the same jokes. Yep. I'm like, damn it. So I remember bailing on these two bringer shows and I was, I was, I wasn't even 21 at the time. I was like, I'm done with this. Really? Like, I can't, you know, I can't do this. And I was just being sensitive. But then I got into it again. And I was just like, listen, man, like, if you're going to do this, like, you can't stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of go all in. Yeah. Like, yeah. go all in. This isn't like a one-year thing. This is like a 15, 20-year yeah. thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go all in. My biggest thing was, like, not going to open mics, right? And you ha- I, I realized, like, you evolve over time, yeah. right? So I was always the coward who never went to open mics, but I would go to actual shows. Okay. And I would, I would get booked on this Friday show after Bringer shows. So, like, you want to you wanna graduate from open mic to Bringer. Well, you're always going to do open mics, but you want to graduate from Bringer shows to I'm going to go to the show and I don't have to bring anyone. There's already people in the crowd. Yep. And that's what I was doing. Um, and then the virus hit. And uh, I was on, like, an upward trajectory trajectory and like i would never i'm not i would i'm never the type of guy who's like i had a good show like i'll never say that i'll yep. never say i'm a comedian i'm just a guy who does comedy yeah right because that's really what i am i'm just like an open micer yeah um and then i ended up i took the trip up to boston i was like i just want to see what boston's like like i had never been to an open mic there so i went up there right in the middle of downtown okay. got booked for a show and then the, the fires came so i was like i went to one open mic got booked for one show in the heart of downtown Boston, and now, you know, this happens. Yeah. And then for a, it was a year straight, and people were like, "Dude, you had a year to write jokes." It's like, yeah, but I had a year to not try those to jokes out in front of people. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because like comedy is just like trial and error. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I might write, I, I write jokes all the time, and I'm like, "Dude, this is gonna crush." Go up there and just. Yep. Yeah. Just silence. Silence. Yeah. So like that went on for like yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was I was writing, but it's like. You take a year off from something, you know. Especially something that you're not, you used to, well, the epitome of it is doing it live yeah. on stage. So there was no trial and error process, and it was just like that for like a year. And then obviously, you have like the whole mask thing and stuff. So yeah. right now, I'm just like, you know, they always say comedy's peaks and valleys, but everyone has their own peaks and valleys at different times. Yep. But at this point in time, everyone's in a, a deep valley. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a really <laughs> deep valley. Yeah. You know, like those, I feel bad, like the, there's people out there who were, you know, they were on a way more upward trajectory than I was, you know, maybe they were just about to headline or yeah. maybe they were just about to feature and now this happens and now you're basically just starting from like square one, just, start, just going back to open mics, trying to get booked. That's all it is. That's all it ever was for me. But yeah. it's like, you know, sometimes you get momentum and you're like, yeah, this exactly. Is cool. And the other thing is like at that point in time like there was a lot of shows like there was a lot of opportunity now a lot of shows just aren't a thing anymore you know especially a lot of the shows like the friday shows that i used to do at the comedy connection those are no longer a thing like the late show i would do like the late show they don't have it there anymore they don't have any there anymore so it's just headliners really yeah and if i mean if you're if you're featuring for a headliner like you're a big deal you know what i mean yeah um so yeah it's just like uh you basically like i said you're just starting from square one which Jeez. is tough, but I don't know. I mean, you have to do it. Like you yeah. were gonna, you were gonna do it anyway. So I mean, like, um, I mean, I'm 25. I feel old because I started when I was 19. But, yeah. I mean, some other com- some other comedians start when they're 25. You yeah. Know what I mean, so I'm sure it's like with your athletic background. I mean, it's sort of like almost recovering from a major injury. Yeah. It's and basically, you gotta, like, yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to get your feet back onto you and yeah. like, you know, 
ease back into it. But um, well, there's that yeah. discipline that's more important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me was always open mics because I was just like, people would be like, this kid doesn't even go to open mics and he's on the late show. Like, why can't I be on the late show? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know, man, you know? Yeah. Uh, and now that I'm going to open mics, I'm just like, wow. Like, I could have been so much better, yep. you know? Especially, I went to Johnson & Wales, and when I was there, I was never like a big partier, you know? Like, yep. I wasn't in a frat. I wasn't going out a lot on the weekends, you know? I was just kind of like, you know, I'd exercise, work out, go yep. to class. That was really it. Now, I was still doing comedy, but what I didn't like realize, what I didn't truly really fathom, was that all of the open mics are surrounding Johnston Wales. <laughs> They're in walking distance. Like you could walk down the road, just yeah. go to an open mic. Like I could have literally gone to class all day, exercised, done whatever I want, and then later that night just walked over to the open mic and just gotten better. But yeah. I guess that's the part. Like that's part of the evolution process. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you figure that stuff later on. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I mean the other thing is like age right nobody wants to listen to a 19 year old talk about his life you know what i mean <laughs> so you have to be creative you know what i mean yeah like uh that's the other thing so that's why i don't want to be isolated like i still have to go out and like yeah. do stuff to write about stories and stuff and experience life but do you feel yeah. like your age like being 25 gives you more of an advantage now than 19 no no because it's like i that was the one thing that really bothered me a lot the when i would i'd be in the green room Sometimes I'd be on, like, the Friday Late Shows, and, like, these guys would come in for, like, New York City and stuff, and they'd be like, dude, I just spoke to Gaff again, like, you know, yeah. or all these, and I'm just, like, sitting there, like, whoa, 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 like, listening to them, and I'm 22 at the time, 23, yep. and I'm like, dude, if, if you can do this, like, you know, like, the fact that anyone would bring up your age is kind of, like, not offensive, but it's like, come on, man, don't bring me, like, don't yeah. think about, like, listen to me when I'm on stage, like, don't bring up my age, Yeah, you know, because time flies, man. It, time zooms by yes it does and i'm aware of that you know what i mean yeah and that's what's that's that's the scariest thing to me is like yeah. how fast time flies by yeah it so, does it does so I'm, I'm the type of guy who's like listen i don't care like what my age is like what if you know what i mean yeah. like just gonna, listen to i'm gonna do it yeah good for you yeah good for so, you that's awesome. at this point it's like i said it's like a 15 20 year thing like it's not like a one two year thing you know what i mean yeah so that's but, awesome yeah. That's awesome. That's what it is, man. It's no, I, I remember the first time, I mean, I just saw it on Facebook where you were going to, I think it was, um, weren't you at something from Mohegan Sun? Oh, the Sirius XM thing? I, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But it had, it said at Mohegan Sun, and I saw, like, John Psyche, comedian. <laughs> and I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, because I just remember you as that quiet kid. I'm just like, yeah. I just found it awesome. Because I figured, it, like I said, it's got to be a passion, and you're pursuing it. Yeah. Um, so I can't believe you've been doing it. I mean, I know, like you said, the pandemic put a gap in it, but yeah. I didn't know you started at 19 and yeah, been doing it for five, six years. Super inconsistent when I was 19 because I was in college. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's got to be tough to and do. And I understand that, but after college, like, I mean, the whole goal is to, like, be consistent. And yeah. I don't, I don't th like, I think... I think comedy is the coolest thing in the world, but yeah. I think it's cool because it's, it's like it's uncensored and it's like genuine. That's why I think it's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah. Like, there's nothing cooler than like making people laugh. Yeah. But I mean, people are like you know, a lot of people are like, dude, like, you're immature, like, you know, things like that, and it's just like. That's got to be at annoying. Least, at least I'm like, like I'm not going to a job that I hate every day and doing yeah. the same thing. I'm not waiting for Friday. You know what I mean? 
It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, like... some people today, they just wait for a hump day on Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, that's a good way. Cause like even kids who ask, like, I know we were talking about this before, but a find something you're passionate about yeah. the, and, and surround yourself mm-hmm. with people you like doing it with. Um, because you don't want to count down the hours and you don't want to count down the days. Yeah. You'd never want to do that at that's all. A, yeah. That's the scariest thing to me is just like, imagine waiting for Fridays for like 35 years. That keeps me up at night, man. Keeps you. <laughs> yeah. We got a guy at work. He he just got hired and people were like, Oh, like what brought you here? He's just like seven years to retirement. It's like, dude, seven years. He's like, yeah, just waiting, uh, waiting for that social security. And we're like, wow, dude, you're not somebody I would look up to, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And unfortunately I think that, I mean, I know I'm only 38, but I think that happens to too many people. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But what was, uh, I mean, when you were growing up, like what were like the most like notable, like societal differences from when I was growing up till till now? now? Mm Mm-hmm. I was born in 83, so I was like an 80s, 90s kid. Yep. Um, it's it's funny because the other day um, I went up to the Red Sox game uh, with a couple of my buddies, and it was that Tuesday night one. We all got up there, rained out. All right. Yep. Unfortunately, three out of the four of us were able to go back on Wednesday, and we were there, and we were talking about – because one of my buddies is a school psychologist, mm-hmm. and we were talking about like – all these trends yeah. all right and i know it's not so much as a societal difference i'll get to that in a minute but some of the trends mm-hmm. that were popular and now these kids today they're doing it and they think it's like the first first thing that's yeah. happened and they think it's amazing we had these things these, those slap bracelets yep those are making a comeback all right like i like i remember when i was in second grade on mm-hmm. recess i had a neon green and black one thought it was the coolest thing yeah and if you like slapped it on your wrist you thought you were like god all right um so and then um so we're just talking about like some of the trends that are coming back but societally what i think is a lot different is the i think just the pressure put on kids today all right mm-hmm. um like there was pressure like when i was growing up like in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s but it was like unstructured pressure like i know this sounds like old like back from the 50s but when i was like after like even at a young age like kids are like all right you have school and then all right then you go to this practice and this lesson and that practice and you're going to eat at this time and it's like the whole day for like an eight-year-old yeah it's just like laid out for them mm-hmm. like where are they just gonna like make their own choices play do whatever yeah um and like i remember like especially in the summertime i would literally like go outside all day hang out with my friends and my mom would like yell my name from yeah. the door like something you think back from like the 50s and 60s yeah and i so i just think like there's this structure where parents literally have a say in every single thing mm-hmm. that their kid does. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a right or a wrong, 
I just think it's a major difference yeah. um, in terms of how you grow up. Um, I almost think it's like healthy. I think growing up, like you should be bored sometimes so you can yeah. figure out what you like. Yeah. Because no one is going to, no one's going to sign you up for anything. No one's going to make you happy. That's on you. Yeah. Um, so I almost think to, like you need to go through periods of boredom especially like summertime boredom. Like I remember there were times in the summer in elementary school, like, yeah. I remember summers being bored. Yeah. yeah like being bored at some, in the summertime. Well, you can't have something every day. You got to figure out what works for you, what you like yeah. to keep your mind and your body occupied. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the reason I bring it up is because like, you're obviously a super, super mellow dude. And like, you're not like one of those old people who's like always angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I don't want to be that guy when I'm older. Like, I don't think I ever would be. Yeah. Because I'm super quiet. Yeah. Super relaxed all the time. Yep. But even, not, not in the workplace, but just like in society in general, like you see these old dudes who are just like, they're so angry at change. And it's yeah. like, I mean, obviously accepting change is uh, important, but like, when do you draw the line? When do you, when yeah. do you like, you know? And that's the thing. Change is good. Yeah. Because I think in order to grow and growth is change, there's going to be some sort of discomfort. Yep. All right. Just like you said with comedy, mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's going to be those peaks and those valleys. Yeah. A lot of valleys, a lot of, a lot of valleys. Yeah. All right. Guess what? Teaching. Like there's a lot of peaks and valleys with teaching too. Yeah. All right. Athletics, same thing. Um, but there's a reason we all stick with it and do it. We, we take pride in it. We, so we evolve, we become a better version of ourselves um we like hopefully we provide something positive for people mm -hmm. but like whatever is good at the end it's on the other side of hard like you got to yeah. go through something hard yeah. all right for that benefit to happen like yeah. I, I firmly believe like everything most things that are good in life are on the other side of hard yeah all right um and you can take that in, in like I said, with sports, you can take it with a marriage, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a good way to put it. I don't know. A little bit of wisdom for 38. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. A yeah. little bit. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to just go head first into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the best approach. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just it's time is scary. And then when time flies, yeah. you don't want to be that guy who wakes up later on in life and you're like what if you know do you like, think that's one of the reason they're so cranky i think i think yeah too but many regrets it's confusing because it's like i mean you have like the saying nowadays like karen's right oh yeah karen's suck but it's like who is karen raised by you know like why why is karen, karen. the way she is you know so i think about that and uh i just i hate angry people in general mm -hmm. you know it's like you should be grateful like you're even alive but especially like with like politics nowadays and everything like that, like that's where you see it a lot is like the anger because they're like back in my day, you know, like <laughs> it's like, I mean, it isn't back in the day though. Like it's today, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't think anger is the solution no. at the end of the day. And it's hard to say like, yeah, we see as adults, we see the anger that's out there today. And so easy yeah. to see on social media growing up. I don't know if that's a societal difference. Was that same anger there, but just it's not publicized? Hidden? Yeah. All right, not publicized. Maybe I don't know. Mm. So it seems like a difference, but I really 
don't know. Yeah. All right. I really don't know. Um, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I grew up when I did. I know it sounds selfish, but yeah, yeah, no. um, I was right I, on the border. You were, yeah, yeah. So you, because you were born when ninety ninety six, ninety six, yeah. yeah like, so I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so yeah, because I, I don't know. I just think it's a lot harder to grow up today. All yeah. right, with the social media and how easily kids can be influenced. Yeah. Um. So even myself, like. Like my daughter, she's gonna start uh, at Paintbox Preschool here in Cumberland. Down right. the road. Down the road. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, but one day when she's in elementary school, yeah, like, I'm sure she's gonna see a classmate with a phone in first mm-hmm. or second grade. Yeah. Like, then so she's gonna not, come yeah. home and want it. So you're kind of like, I mean, uh, I don't mean this in like a bad way, but no. you kind of like want your kids to fail. To learn from it. Because, <laughs> 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 uh, like, if I if I have a kid, maybe one day. You know, maybe one day. Maybe one day. If I have a kid, right? You just want to put him into a dark hole so they Put fail. him in a puddle, you know, just so he knows what's up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of want... Because, like, everything I learned was, like, from failing. Well, if I, somebody was, like... Like, I don't even know. Like, Jordan Peterson has an analogy. He's like, listen, there's, like, there's two type of parents, right? You're approaching a puddle. One parent will be like, hey... Walk around the puddle. Yep. The other parent won't say anything. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I like. I tend to think I'm the second one. Yeah. Because we've walked through a lot of puddles. <laughs> All right. Um, but it's wit. It's funny that you say that, because do I want? I don't think any parent naturally wants their child to fail. Yeah. I mean. All right. <laughs> but, but I do think failure can be healthy because yeah. you you grow from discomfort. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because you talk about all these quotes that are online, especially regarding sports. I mean, it's become so cliche now. Like, you need to face adversity in sports. You need to lose, all right, and come back from an injury or come back from a tough game. But when that happens in life outside of sports, then it's almost like it's wrong. Yeah. It's almost like it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So... uh, do I want her to fail? Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Help her learn. Help her grow. Yeah. And, and even as a parent, I know you probably don't want to hear like parenting advice right now. Yeah. But I've noticed like my, my, she's going to be five. My daughter, oldest daughter, Reagan, she's going to be five um, in a couple weeks. And if she knows she did something wrong, she might start becoming emotional and crying. Like one thing my wife and I never do we can count on one hand in five years the number of times we raised our voice because it's like, all right, if you did something wrong, we don't call it wrong. We just say you learn. You're just going to learn from this. Yeah. All right. And try to improve on it the next time. Mm -hmm. Because I think what life is like every day and every year. And I'd say this, I probably didn't say it to when you were in my class because it's something I kind of came up with like maybe eight years ago on the first day of school. I always tell students, and I'm sure some of it goes right over their head, their head, in one ear, out the other. You know, it's the first day of high school. They're worried about who they're eating lunch with, et cetera. But I, you're in my class for eight and a half months. Hopefully, I say by the time you leave here in June, hopefully you're a better version of yourself in some capacity, whether you're a better writer, 
all right? You're more analytical. You can make better inferences. You're more self-aware, better collaborative worker. Like, it's just about growth. Yeah. That's it. Like, I hate this ma this mantra of something's right or wrong. It's just growth. Yep. And just take it for what it is, growth. And how do you grow? It's usually from error. All right? You said it's with, com like, being a comedian. Trial and error. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So... Yeah, I was going to ask you before we wrap up, like, right. uh, I was going to ask you, like, uh, I mean, you kind of just answered it, but okay. if you had, uh, for the people listening who have had you in class, other people who might not know you, yep. if you had, you know, one message of advice to those people, uh, what would it be? One message? Could be multiple messages, but um, after, after well, all, anyone who's yeah. listening and wants advice from a, a 38 year old, uh, well, I mean, like, English teacher. Yeah. I mean, you have all, you know, yep. you're still pretty young. Yeah. But. Um, no, I consider myself blessed to, to still be young, but have had the experiences professionally mm -hmm. that I have had. If I had one piece of advice, um, and I think this is something I still work on myself. Figure out who you are and just be comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Just figure out who you are and be comfortable with it. Both um, the strengths, the weaknesses, all right? We're, uh, and th that's just part of who you are. And if there are parts of yourself you don't like, work on them, mm -hmm. all right? Because I think life is just an, an evolution of figuring out who you are because like I said, those, you don't want to be those cranky old men yeah. at 60, all right? Maybe they're still trying to figure out who they are, mm -hmm. all right? Because they haven't changed much from 15 or 25 or 35 or even 45. Um, so just kind of figure out who you are. Be comfortable with that. Um, and I don't know, that, that's kind of what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what goals do you have right now for yourself as far as moving forward? Moving forward? Um so I don't know. It's hard. Like I'm 38. Like I most, my, my buddies and I joke, like, shoot, we're almost 40. Like it seems scary. Cause a lot of my buddies, like we've been friends since high school, yeah. like yeah. kind of uh, like a smaller part of our core group has stayed friends since we all were pretty local for college. Yep. Um, and having two young children, I just, one of my fears is not being a good parent. So short term, I just mm -hmm. want to be the best parent, the best father I can be, yeah. um, especially to two daughters. I know the whole cliche out there, the whole girl dad thing. Girl dad, yeah. yeah my wife bought me a shirt the other week. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've worn it twice. It's official. Yeah, it's official. Um, and I know it can... I just want to raise them to have a positive view of themselves mm -hmm. because I know how easy I'm, especially now I'm seeing how easy groups and certain people can be torn down. So short term, I just want to be the best father that I can be. And like at CHS, hopefully, um, I'm still teaching freshman English. Mm -hmm. Um, I still enjoy it and I'm just gonna try to, Keep crushing it. Keep crushing it the best <laughs> I can. Yeah. I appreciate you for coming by. No, I appreciate you having um, me on. I mean, like I said, definitely my favorite teacher of all time. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's been 11 years. Yeah. 
I was surprised how long it has been. Yeah, like, yeah, I honestly. I thought, I, I thought it had been under 10. Yeah. I thought it had been under 10. But no, I, when you reached out and uh, said, hey, you want to be on? I was like, why not? Yeah, why All not, right, man. why not? I wish everyone said that, you know. Do people, do really, <laughs> some people really say no? Uh, I mean, I've been kept on red a few times. Okay. Yeah. It's all, all right. right, though. All right. You know. Yeah. Hey, peaks and valleys, right? Peaks and valleys. All right. <laughs> no, but no, thanks but, for having me on, John. And yeah. uh, No, we'll, we'll keep up with each other. No, we definitely will. I mean, hopefully I'll see you in another comedy show. Yep. We'll see you around. I mean, yep. Um, but honestly, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I'm grateful for everything that you taught me. And uh, I think people are really going to like this episode. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks.